Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. So week five in a message series called You'll Be Glad You Did, Timeless Advice for Troubled Times. And what we're after in this message series is a biblical concept called wisdom. Now, you've heard the word wisdom before. We don't always know how to define it. We don't know what it looks like. It seems like a good thing to have. Uh, wisdom is, is a good thing, conceivably, but we don't always know what it is. So our working definition of the word wisdom for this message series is simply this. Wisdom is a series of insights informed by the knowledge that life is connected. A series of insights informed by the knowledge that life is connected. We need to be reminded that life is connected because we tend to act as if it isn't. We tend to think, what I do in this little area of my life isn't going to affect this area and this area and this area. What I do over here in my professional life isn't going to affect my marriage or my mental health or my emotional health or my physical health or my financial, like all these different components and compartments of our life. We tend to act as if we can uh, we can do something in one compartment and have it isolate from the rest of our life. And that's simply not how it works. Life is connected, just as your past is connected to the present. The choices you made in the past are dictating the reality you currently experience. And the choices you are making now are going to create the reality you come into in the future. So wisdom is a series of insights informed by the knowledge that life is connected. And we're looking at some you'll be glad you did statements, some things that'll help you. And we've learned so far, hey, listen. If you listen, you'll be glad you did. If you forgive, you'll be glad you did. Last week, Tony did an amazing job teaching us to uh, submit to one another in our, in our relationships. Brilliant work. And if you do that, you'll be glad you did. Today's title, today's kind of little two-word you'll be glad you did statement is live generous. Live generous generous. Now, if you're really into grammar, you may notice I left the L-Y off the end of the word generous. I did that on purpose because I want to contrast a generous act with a generous life. They are not the same thing. So as I begin this morning, I want to, I want to, I want to ask you a question and ask this of yourself. You do not need to raise your hand. Don't, don't indicate anything, but just to yourself, am I a generous person? Ask yourself, are you, don't, not me, but like you ask yourself, I, I try to be. But ask yourself, are you a generous person? Ask yourself that for a minute. Reflect on that. As you ponder, your initial response is going to be, well, yeah. And as you do that, you're going to look for evidence. And you're going to think to yourself, well, yeah, of course I'm a generous person. I gave money to this thing, and I helped this person, and I did that. So you'll look for evidence. But here's the deal. A generous act is not the same as a generous life. They're two very different things. This, by the way, is why you can never win a, 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 a fight with your spouse about things like being helpful around the house. So you talk to your spouse and say, hey, listen, I don't think you're very helpful around the house. He or she is going to go, wait a minute, helpful, right? That's what they're going to do. They're going to remember an instance when they were helpful around the house because in their mind, doing something helpful makes them a helpful person. But you know, and I know, that doing something helpful is an isolated, spontaneous act. It doesn't make for a helpful person. It's the same thing with generosity. A generous act is not the same as a generous life. It's not the same as living outward bound to be a blessing to others. Now, to illustrate this, 
I'm going to show you guys a video clip from a TV show that is no longer on TV called The King of Queens. Any fans of The King of Queens out here? Yeah, a few of you guys, right? So, Kevin James, Long Island guy. We're going to take a look at a fictitious family living on Long Island. Let's lower the lights and take a look. So I figure it's best for you to make the maximum 401k contribution. You'll take home less now, but in the end, you make more. Oh, uh, Carrie, I'm going to need your W-2 from last oh, year. Yeah, right here. Would you like some more coffee? Oh, no thanks, but uh, I had been eyeing that chocolate. <laughs> Mind if I snag a piece? No problem. Okay, moving on. Oh, do you have a list of the charitable donations you made for the year? Well, we don't keep a list per se, um, but I know we definitely, definitely gave to charity. Oh, okay, definitely. Yeah. I just, I, I just gotta, um, I just gotta think for a second. <laughs> charity. Charity. <laughs> Oh, wait, wait a second. We gave um, $15 to, to the animal shelter and $20 to that rainforest fund. You remember there was that booth at the supermarket? Yeah, yeah uh, we got a certificate signed by Sting. Yeah. Yeah. Is that it? We also gave money to HBO. Honey, it's not charity. It's paying your bill. Excuse me, they do a lot of educational documentaries. Like last week I learned that two dwarves can have a regular sized kid. It was fascinating. So with the shelter and the sting thing, your total for the year is $35. Wow, you guys really knocked yourselves out there, huh? on that jerk. I mean, who is he to judge us? He takes chocolate he wasn't even offered, but we're the bad guys. I don't think so. Yeah, and it's not like you have to give charity to be charitable. I mean, it's the way you say hi. It's the way you smile at yeah. people. Yeah. Although you don't smile at people a whole lot. Stop. Me neither do you. I, I smile constantly. People think I'm a lunatic half the time. Uh, you know what? That's not the point. The point is we did give to charity, okay? We gave $35. $35 is good money. Absolutely. Ugh. No, it's not. We are horrible and selfish people. I mean, look at us. We got a house, we got food on the table, a car, and what do we do? We keep it all for ourselves. All of it! We're bad. <laughs> We're damned. We're going straight to hell. You know what? Let's not panic. We can still buy our way out of this, all right? Now, come on, come on, honey. Who, who do we care about? Who's poor? Who's needy? Hey, we can buy like a thousand candy bars for Kirby School Library. School library, that's perfect. Yeah, from now on, anybody who comes over our house will get a free chocolate bar. That'll be our thing. All right, yeah, 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 fun. So here's the deal. We're looking at, uh, you know, a, a fictitious account of a Long Island family, just like you and me, who are kind of just 
kind of wrestling through this. Now, hopefully your tax guy doesn't talk to you the way that tax guy talked to them. Like, oh, you really, you really swung for the fences there, didn't you? Uh, a little sarcasm there that probably wouldn't happen in real life. But observe the ark. I mean, it, it happens fast. Charitable da- donations. Oh, no, but we definitely give to charity. Like, oh, we totally do. Yeah, we're generous people. We're generous people. That's the deal. Okay, you got any receipts? Uh, mm, let's think on that. No, we don't. And then he kind of gives them some gas about it. And then after he leaves, right, they go, well, who does that guy think he is talking to us that way? He can't talk to us that way. And, and, and what is he saying? We're generous people. And then, and then all of a sudden they look at the facts and they go, oh, no, we're not. We're terrible. We're going straight to hell. If we could talk for a minute and find a normal, like, place between these two crazy pendulum swings for normal people to talk about generosity and how to operate as a generous person. My point in in showing you guys that was you're witnessing the distinction between an isolated act of generosity and a generous life, living generous. So as we dive in today, my goal is going to be to expose four myths about generosity that I think are going to help us find like some handles and a way to live an outward bound life that honors God and looks to be a blessing to the world around you. That's, that's our aim, right? So here's the first myth about generosity. Generosity is spontaneous. That's a myth. Generosity is not spontaneous. Spontaneity is spontaneous. Generosity is planned. Random acts of giving can be spontaneous. And we've all been there. You hear about something uh, and it touches your emotions. So a spontaneous emotional act of giving uh, happens every once in a while for you. You learn uh, somebody on your block had a house fire and now everyone's kicking in and yeah, of course I'm in. You know, uh, there was a national, uh, you know, a natural disaster or something awful happened in the world and there's a fund and you send some money to the Red Cross or whatever it is you do. You, you have uh, 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 something that touches your heart, an event that touches your heart, and your emotions are stirred, and you go, yeah, I'm going to give. And that is a generous thing to do, and it's a beautiful thing to do, but it's an isolated act. Generosity is not spontaneous. Generosity is planned. It's something you intend to do ahead of time where you say, this is going to be a part of my life. I'm going to build this into how I operate, not just wait for some random opportunity to come along. Generosity is not spontaneous, it's planned. Myth number two, generosity is primarily regulated by cash flow. That's actually a myth. Spontaneous acts of giving are regulated by cash flow. And we've all been there, right? You learn of a need and somebody's, somebody has a need and you kind of turn your pockets inside out and go, dude, I don't have it. Like I don't, that kind of giving is regulated by cash flow. In fact, this time of year, at least Five or six of you are currently ducking someone at your office who wants to sell you a box on a Super Bowl pool for their kid's baseball team, and you don't have the 50 bucks, so you're like, you're trying to avoid the whole thing. Like, so we've all had opportunities when we want to give, we want to help, but the truth is we just don't have it. That kind of spontaneous act of giving is regulated by cash flow. Real generosity involves cash flow. It's a decision you make ahead of time with what you're going to do with your finances. Myth number three... And this is a big one. The third myth about generosity is that it's the amount that counts. Big myth. Generosity actually doesn't have anything to do with amounts of money. It's not how many dollars you give. And for those of you who are new, I just want to address this. I hate talking about money. It's one of the things, honestly, it just makes my skin crawl because I know that you're new and you walked in here for the first time and somebody in your life is like, oh, I can't believe I invited this person. And there's talking like, because, because there's, there's, I see thought bubbles above your head as I preach. 
I mean, mostly it's dark out there, but like I see, I imagine bubbles like a comic book, like thought bubbles above your head. And I imagine some of you, it's just not how many dollars you give. It's the heart behind the giving. It's not how many dollars you give. It's the heart behind it. And if you're looking for proof on that, come with me to the scriptures. This is Luke chapter 21, verses one through four. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had. So here's what's going on. We're at the temple uh, courtyard and there's a treasury box, a box where you put your offerings. This is not taking place within the context of a church service or a synagogue service. This is a public place where offerings are made and there's a metal box there where you put your coins in. And because it's the first century, there's no paper money. They didn't even really have paper back then. So all money is coin. The bigger, thicker the coin, the more it's worth. So when you put your money into the temple treasury box, Everyone can tell how much you gave by the sound of the coin landing. Everybody knows what everybody else gives, right? And that may sound crazy to you, but I think you know, if I took you outside and blindfolded you in the parking lot and I dropped a quarter and then a nickel and then a dime, you would know the sound of every single one of those coins, wouldn't you? No, we only use Venmo. Easy, kids. Um, So... (laughs) you would know the sound of those coins. It was the same thing in the first century. So if you're giving a lot, you kind of could make a show of it. You could make a display of it. It's not really too cool, but it's what people did. People were no different, right? They'd come up, the rich, the rich would come up and make a bit of a spectacle of it. The rich would come up and someone would have to carry the bag with the coins in it and plonk, you know, big coin, big deep sound, plonk, 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 still giving, plonk, plonk, check me out, plonk, plonk. Like it's a spectacle. It's a thing. And vice versa, if you didn't have very much to give, it could kind of be embarrassing. And you were probably trying to downplay it and be as casual as possible and cover the, and you, like you drop the coin in and go, <laughs> you know, as you drop, so no one can hear the sound. Like you just, that's what you would do. Because it was, if you didn't have a lot, it's embarrassing. So Jesus is at the temple courtyard. He's got his disciples and there's this little old lady and she's wait, making her way up to the treasury box. And Jesus gathers the guys. He's got the disciples. He goes, guys, watch this because here comes Michael Jordan. Watch this. Makes her way up to the treasury box, and it says she has two copper coins. So this is, some translations call it the widow's mite. These are almost not even coins. They're like, what she has is like shrapnel from other coins. She's got tiny, tiny, tiny little teensy bits of copper. I mean, blink, blink, almost no sound. So, so she's, she's making her way up, and she gets to the edge of that treasury box, and Jesus goes, guys, 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 look, look, look. Shh, 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 look, 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 Blink, blink. And Jesus goes, wow. Wow. That's amazing. To which at least one of the apostles was like, bruh. <laughs> Not a lot of money. And Jesus goes, yeah, no, 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 I know. It's not about the amount. It's about the heart behind it. Look at her. Everybody else gives of their excess. She gave from a heart that wants to honor God. And that gift, that little two-cent thing that she did was worth more than all the other offerings combined. And that's a pretty cool thing, right? 
That makes me feel better because I don't always have a big, 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 big check to cut. But I want to honor God how I can honor God with what I have. But that requires a little, a little planning and a little intention on my part. And here's the fourth myth I want to hit you with. I'll be generous someday when I'm rich. The rich are generous. Rich people are generous. It's a myth. Rich people are not generous. Generous people are generous. They don't always correlate. And we're messed up on that because you think, if I was rich like them, I'd be generous. If I was rich like them, I'd be making it rain, man. I'd bless everybody if I had had that kind of money. That's what you were thinking. You're all thinking, if I was rich, I'd be generous. If I was rich, I'd give all that money away. For starters, we're all rich. Everybody in this room is rich. We don't talk about that a lot. We don't think about it a lot. But you hit the lottery because you live in America. You live in the United States. You hit the lottery. Others of you, like some of you, you hit the double lottery because you were born here and live here. You hit the lottery just right there. Your basic needs are met. You're living indoors. You have food enough to eat. You have warmth in the winter. If those needs are not met, you need to come see me because we can help you with that. Church is happy to help you with that. But for starters, that puts you at like the 90th percentile globally. We're all rich. The trouble is we don't think we're rich. We think rich are like all those dudes out in the Hamptons, right? So you're thinking, if I was rich like those guys, I'd give money away. I'd be super generous. Not necessarily the case. Here's why. As you grow wealthy, you also tend to grow. Have you noticed? Have you, have you observed? Anybody besides me observed? Sometimes very wealthy people tend to be a little bit entitled. Have you observed that in your life? Yeah, a couple of you have seen that coming. Now, I, I want to be clear. I have known some wealthy people who are ridiculously generous. I have seen extravagant acts of generosity in my life. But the two don't always correlate. Great wealth does not always correlate with great generosity because as you grow wealthier, you also tend to increase your self-importance. As a person grows wealthy, they usually normally tend to think, I have achieved this wealth and acquired this wealth through my own ingenuity, my own hard work, and because I'm smarter than most of the other people who aren't as wealthy as me. That's just how wealthy people tend to think. And perhaps you've been in a situation where you've getting on board an airplane and, and, and the, the people sitting, you ever watch people in first class board the airplane first, like, you know, and you're like, shut up. We all get there at the same time, doofus. You know, like, so, where somebody walks to the podium at the restaurant, they park their $200,000 car and throw the keys to the valet and walk in like they own the place. And, and you've seen this in action. Not always, but sometimes wealthy people tend to be a little bit more entitled. And you've always thought, if I was rich, I'd be generous. And that's just not the case. The math doesn't lie. Usually, very, very wealthy people not only give away a smaller percentage of their income, they often give away straight up fewer dollars than their less wealthy counterparts. What that means is rich people aren't aren't generous. Generous people are generous. And you can decide to be generous and live generous now. But it's going to take some intention. It's going to take some focus. Did you know there's only five things you can do with money? There's actually only five things you can do with money. We're going to put them on screen. This is what you can do with money. These are the five things. You spend it. You pay your debts. Pay your taxes. Save it. Or give it away. That's, that's what you got. You got five options. Spend it, repay your debt, pay your taxes, save it, or give it away. And actually, 
that happens to be the order in which we typically do things. First thing we do is we spend, we get money, you get your paycheck, you spend it. You, you pay your rent, you pay your mortgage, you pay your car payment, you buy your food, you buy the stuff, you pay your bills, you, you spend it, you spend the money. Then you pay your credit cards. Uh, hopefully you're paying down your credit cards and your credit card bills are going lower, not higher, but that's, you know, that's a whole other sermon, right? So you pay your debt and then you pay your taxes because if you don't do that, you're going to go to jail. So you pay your taxes, it's important. And then if there's anything left over after you pay your taxes, you save a little bit right? You put a little bit away for a rainy day. Maybe doesn't always happen, but maybe you do. And if there's anything left over after that, you might decide to give something away. So the order for this is really me, me, the government, me, and then God and others. That is how most people handle their finances. It's just how we operate. I relate to it. I get this. I have lived there for many years of my life. I don't live like that anymore, but that's how a lot of people operate. And and look, if that's how you want to operate, that's okay. But I want to submit to you the idea that if you will live generous, if you'll try to rearrange the, 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 the priorities a little bit, if you'll involve God in the equation, you'll be glad you did. Why? Because life is connected. Because what you do in this area of your life with your finances, for most people, typically this, this wall is a, this, this, this part of your life is like a castle. It has a high, thick wall around it and a moat and alligators and pit bulls waiting to attack anybody that comes near this top of my life. And we kind of leave it as if it's isolated from everything else. But... What you do in this area touches your emotional life and it touches your professional life and it touches your marriage and it touches your physical life and it it, it touches every single other part of your life. It is not compartmentalized. It involves everything. And if you will make a choice now, you'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. And to do that, you're going to have to rearrange the order a little bit and prioritize this. And it comes in a very simple formula, three parts. Give, save, and live on the rest. Give, save, and live on the rest. Start out and say, I want to give something away. This is a paradigm shift for some of you. For some of you, this is a like, whoa. Like for Doug and Carrie in their room, in the King of Queens, in in their living room. Like this would be, here's how they might have articulated the paradigm shift they just had. Whoa. Some of what we have isn't for us. Some of what we have is not for us. Some of what we've been given, some of what we've earned, some of what comes in, a piece of it was meant to honor God and be a blessing to the world around us. But if you're going to do that, you're going to have to be intentional. You're going to have to decide to do it up front ahead of time. I had an experience a couple of years ago, two now, I was coming up into my 40s and I made the mistake of looking at my retirement account. It's a mistake. Should never, should just ignored it. I'm kidding. It's important to look at that. But I looked at it and was very discouraged by what I saw and became very worried about where I was headed financially. And so I said to myself, self, it's time we put a few things on and this will be great. No, it's a perfect plan. Great plan, Bert. Here we go. What I'm going to do is at the end of every month, anytime there's anything left over, I'm just going to put it right to my retirement account. Yeah. Good idea. You could answer the question, how well did that work? Yeah, not well at all. There was never any money left over. There's always too much month left at the end of the money. 
There's always too much month left at the end of the money. It's just how it is. You know it and I know it. So what I realized was the only way I'm ever going to change the game with regard to what I'm saving for my own retirement is to prioritize it and put it away at the beginning of the month and find a way to live on the rest. The same is true with generosity. If you're going to live generous opportunity to do a generous act, those are wonderful. That's great. But that's not living generous. You want to live generous. You decide up front, some of what comes in is not for me. A percentage, whatever the percentage is, a percentage was meant to go back out as an offering to God to honor God and bless the world around me. The average American gives away 2 to 3% of their income. That's the average, like, secular, non-church-going American. 2 to 3% of their income. The scriptures call us to give away a tenth, one-tenth of our income. Now, for some of you, if you're new, that's like, come on, forget it. That's not realistic. Can't do that. Whatever. Start where you are. Pick a percentage and say, I'm going to start with this percentage, and this percentage is going to go out to honor God. I'm going to choose now. I'm going to decide now to live generous. And do you want to give it here? Sure you do. It's a great church, and I'm a good-looking pastor. Let's go. No, look. Here's what the Scripture teaches you bring the offerings to the storehouse. You bring, you bring your tithe to the storehouse. That's what, the way it was. Because most people paid their offerings, most regular people paid their offerings in grain. And the storehouse was where the food was kept so that when people were hungry, it could be distributed. Here's the principle that transfers to today. You give to the place where you're fed. Give where you're fed. And if you're new, give the money away somewhere else. Knock yourself out. Go be generous somewhere else. This is not a money grab. I practice this and it works. Two people came up to me between services and grabbed me and pulled me into a little circle and said, we just want you to know, like, we could stand up and testify about this. I've been doing this, and if I hadn't started doing this years ago, I would have had to move back in with my mother and live in her basement a while back. This works. You learn to be content with less. You learn to be more satisfied with what you have. You learn that, that your life is connected and being a blessing, living outward bound and, 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 and helping a church or an organization that you care about move the ball down the field isn't just a financial decision. It's good for your mental health. It's good for your emotional health. I think there are probably physical health benefits. I don't have data to back that up, but I'm right. I, I you know, I think it, it, it makes your marriage better. It makes life better. When you live outward bound, you stop just being a selfish little clod of ailments and needs. You start living up like you're a blessing to the world around you. It's a game changer. And I promise you, I promise you, I really do, I promise. You'll be glad you did. Oh, you'll be so... I have never, in all my years doing this, had somebody come to me and go, that was a terrible idea. I can't wait to go back to spending it all on me. <laughs> you never give your way into being miserable. But people spend their way into being miserable all the time. You'll never give your way into being miserable, but people spend their way into misery all the time. Honor God with some of what you've been given and choose to do it up front, make a decision, and say, I am going to live generous. If you do, you'll be glad you did. We're going to wrap this series up next week with part six. Let's close in prayer. Father, we love you, and we're grateful, grateful that we got to come to church today and hear from your word and connect with you and praise your holy name. Jesus, we all struggle with this. We all wrestle with this. We're all stressed about money. We all have bills looming, and and, and we all have, like, just concerns in this area. And so we're praying for some courage and some guts 
to make a decision ahead of time, not just to practice a random act of giving once in a while, but to live generous, to make generosity and make outward bound living a part of our lives. Father, we hear what you're saying in the scriptures. We know it's not about an extravagant amount. It's about the heart behind it. And so we're praying for guts and courage and focus enough to prioritize this up front that we might honor you with what you've blessed us with. May that be so in my life and may that be so in all of our lives. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give, or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word True North to 77977 on your cell phone, and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.